Welcome to the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. Let me pray for us this morning as we begin this sermon moment. God, we're thankful for the sound of children in our midst. We're thankful for the presence of extended family with us today. We remember those who are not able to be with us, God, who are traveling, who are with other parts of the family. We remember those who were with us last year, but not this year who have gone on to be with you. With our full hearts, God, we come to this Christmas Eve service. Needing a word from you, God, wanted, wanting to be stopped in our tracks at the miracle of Christ with us yet again this year. Speak to us, God, as we have need. In your name we pray, amen. God comes to us, whoever we are, wherever we are, whenever we are. God comes to us in this time of year. It's what we celebrate here, that uh, God comes to us and, and offers love and hope and peace and joy, which we've been talking about these last four weeks of Advent. God comes to us and offers us the fullness of himself to dwell with us. I mean, we sing with no hubris, with no irony. Emmanuel, God with us, not God near, not God above, not God below, not God in front or behind or to the left or the right, but God with us. And more than God just comes to us, God comes to us in this most mysterious and inexplicable of forms. God comes to us in the gift of a baby. And 2,000 plus years later, with all of our learning, with all of our intelligence, with all of our gain in society in so many ways, we still sit here today, a goodly number of us, gathering with a much largely good, much larger goodly number of us around the globe, proclaiming that this baby really is a gift of peace for the whole world, for the entire world. The baby Jesus fascinates us, doesn't he? I mean, Ricky Bobby famously prayed in that classic Talladega Nights. He prayed to the what is it, eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus. And his prayer was very, very specific. But, but even that joke carries something with it, right? A fascination that God himself dwelled maybe in an eight pound, six ounce form. How could God himself dwell alongside the flesh and blood of man, period? Much less in the form of baby. How could a baby contain the fullness of God, and yet that baby grow in wisdom and stature. We're, we're fascinated 
by the baby. And, and rightly so. Little ones, I think, when they are smaller, are also uniquely, maybe especially, uh, interested in the baby Jesus. Can you imagine being two or three and coming to some broadening conception of, of that there's a God in the world, whatever you're getting at that age, and also be told, God was once your size. What a concept to behold, I had lunch with a, a friend this week and he showed me a picture on his phone of his grandchild. I think about three had arranged all the Paw Patrol characters around the nativity of baby Jesus, you know? I think there might've been another one mixed in there from one of the other Disney shows. The fact that this baby spit up had to be changed. Baby Jesus discovering his toes and his fingers. When Addison was a baby, she informed us she didn't use a pacifier, but she came to us solemnly one year and just, and just told us she had her little tykes kind of nativity set there that baby Jesus was working real hard to give up his pacifier. And we were all so glad to hear that. The infant Jesus sparks our wonder. How could the fullness of God dwell in this tiny form? What was it like for Mary and Joseph to raise this child? How was it the same? How was it different from our own experiences of raising a baby? The baby leads to fascination and to wonder. The baby leads us to joy. I mean, for we're here proclaiming that this baby grew up, that, that the person he would grow up to be would, would live and die for us and deliver hope and salvation to the world. And yet we still come back to the baby. Of all the ways, have you thought of this? Of all the ways God might have come to earth to dwell with us, among us. I mean, he could have just, like he came to the shepherds, like the angel appeared to the shepherds, with a host, 10,000 of 10,000 of angels, appear around the globe and proclaim, God now dwelt with us. Now, wouldn't that have been a sign? I mean, wouldn't that have been something? He, he could have just descended in man form above Rome, above Jerusalem, above somewhere else. Wouldn't that have been powerful? Wouldn't that have been a sign of strength that people would have followed? God chose the form of a baby. And not just to be born, to go through the whole process of in utero growing an embryonic form and growing to the size of a, a grape and a walnut, right? Those of us had been pregnant in the days of the internet got that app that told us how big our baby was at each step. He grew each step of the way, was, was born into the world and all the, the mess and the pain and everything that comes with that, such a human thing. God shows us that hope and salvation don't come in power and we must refuse them, that it doesn't come by the sword, but can be found in the pains of labor and the cries and coos of an infant. And we learn in this something important about God and the ways of God through this, particularly as wars rage and politicians and so many others jockey for power and control. We learn something about the world as well in juxtaposing the ways of the world and the ways of God. The baby inspires us to wonder and it inspires us to marvel at the ways of God. The baby Jesus has so captured our imaginations, our souls, that individuals and people throughout history 
can't help but respond with the highest that we have, our, our highest forms of art, our highest words, our, excuse me, our highest songs to try to capture what this baby means for the world. I mean, if you've been to any art museum anywhere in the world that has kind of a broad spectrum of, of paintings, particularly, you will find Madonna and Child. Madonna and child, or, or mother and child, Mary and Jesus, is among the most commonly painted motifs in history. When our best artists drew from their highest inspiration to use their best talent, they chose so often to paint this mother and this child to try to capture something of our awe that Christ came to live with us. More than that, we write poetry and songs and devotionals to baby Jesus about Jesus, many of which have been sung for decades, many of which have sung for centuries, joining this ancestral throng of praise, of, of humanity, creation itself, trying to come to grips with this miracle of God with us in the form of a baby. Relatively new songs like Is He Worthy, which we sang this morning. Deep songs that lead us to contemplation like Silent Night. Sweet songs like Away in a Manger, that when you listen to it, when you try to sing that first note, you almost have to put on your childlike voice to sing it. And it sounds like it could have been written by a faithful child. Songs inspired by the birth of Jesus and who in return, lead us to contemplation and awe of the incarnation. Songs full of peaceful images of, of hope and love and, and joy and grace of the birth of Jesus. And this is an important part of receiving. We talked last week how Christmas is so much about giving, but, but for us, and the spiritual part of Christmas is really not about giving at all, but receiving. And receiving this gift God gives to us, and it's only in receiving well that, that we learn to give well. It's an important part of receiving the gift of Christmas, to, to sing and to, to look at art, to read poetry, to somehow become in awe once again at the miracle of miracles that God is with us, that God choose, chose to be born as a human in order to bring hope and salvation to the world to be reminded of those words of Mary, for nothing is impossible with God. You know, we keep listening to those songs inspired by that baby lying in the manger. And if we listen closely, listen long enough to sometimes those fourth and fifth, sometimes even sixth verses, we hear dissonant chords being struck as well, dissonant melodies being sung. I mean, Simeon will be the first, other than Mary, to sing about this baby Jesus, to, to sing praises to the baby. When Jesus was eight days old, Simeon saw him and his parents at the temple, and he blessed them. And Simeon, with remarkable sight, spiritual sight, knows this eight-day-old baby to be the Messiah. And he proclaimed he would be a revelation to the Gentiles and bring glory to Israel. And I mean, that's high praise for an infant, isn't it? And then he looked right at Mary. He said, he will also cause 
the rising and fall of many. He, this eight-day-old baby, will be spoken against passionately, and Mary, your own soul will be pierced by the opposition to your son. We look at that baby, that manger, and the baby laying there, and we wonder how anyone could say such things. My favorite Christmas hymn is, O Holy Night. It's a song it can be very complicated to sing, but also pretty simple to follow along with. It's a hymn of praise to the hope Christ brings. It's full of moving, worshipful phrases. I think that's why I like it most for the lyrics, for the words. I mean, till he appeared and its soul felt its worth, the soul felt its worth. The thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. Led by the light of faith, serenely beaming. I mean, great lyrics, lyrics for me at least that lead me into the presence of God. And then we come to that very last verse and the tone of the lyric shifts dramatically. It becomes very specific. This dissonant lyric, chains shall he break for the slave is our brother and in his, his name all oppression shall cease. Such phrases, such words, such dissonance disrupts our heartwarming gaze at the manger. It beckons us to look from the manger up to the cross. We can't get lost at Christmas in the baby and forget who the baby will grow up to be and what the baby will grow up to do. Christmas is an incomplete story without the cross. Christmas is the first chapter of this story yet to come. We miss the fullness of Christmas if we don't remember the fullness of who that baby is, what that baby in the manger will grow up to do. He will grow up to live and to die so that we might live, to show us what it means to follow God, to create this straight highway between us and an eternity spent with God of a life fulfilled, living in the spirit here and now, where not only is God with us, that we can be with God. Rightly, we gaze in awe at that classic nativity scene and, and wonder at the ba baby in the manger. It should give us comfort. And it should lead us to wonder and joy and hope and peace. But it should also lead to some disruption in our lives. For us to consider who we are in light of who this baby is. How, how we are called to live in light of that God is with us and God with us gives himself for us. The baby will grow up and put the entire world to question. Will we believe in this Jesus or not? And if we do, we accept the offer of love and salvation and seek to build our life around him in spite of all evidence to the contrary in a modern and post and post postmodern world we look at a baby born 2000 years ago and say our faith is in him and who he is and who he will grow to be and what he will grow to do and the choice is before us at Christmas. Well, we believe in a baby as the beginning, the first step 
in the hope of the world and stake our lives and eternity itself on Jesus' power to save and heal and guide us through this life and into the next? Are we willing to follow in the here and now, both into the comfortable ways of being love and being grace and being mercy in the world, but also into those realms of slave freeing and chain breaking and hope bringing? Friends, this is why we observe communion on Christmas Eve, the Lord's Supper, to give each of us, every one of us in our family, I mean, time to reflect, time to think, time and space to contemplate the gift that began on Christmas morning, God with us, and what it means for us living today to contemplate our own belief. I mean, what? do you believe in? What are you building your life upon? What are you wrapping your life around as its foundation? To give thanks as we partake of the bread and the juice, to give thanks for what God has given us this year, to remember those who have gone on before us, to lament all that happened this year. We, we didn't want, we have time to seek forgiveness from God for where we've fallen short, to praise God for joys, to bring our heart and our soul before God for a few moments before the busyness of celebration. These elements of the Lord's Supper are on tables in front of each of your kind of rows or your, your sections here today. I know many of your families are here. I enjoyed meeting so many of your families earlier. I hope I have time to meet many more after the service. You are welcome to partake of this supper. It's just a, a little, for those who have not done this with us before, a small piece of bread and a small piece of uh, bit of juice that you're asked to take. Um, whether you are a member here or somewhere else, we invite you to come with your family and share in this supper as a family. As a little housekeeping note, everyone will go to the middle. So whether you're on right or left, exit toward the middle, come down, and then you can go back around the side. We believe that the Spirit of God is alive and moving in our presence, and therefore God is moving and alive in and through this meal. And we want all to be a part. When Christ broke bread for his disciples at the Last Supper, he invited them to eat of his body and drink of his blood, to take me in. Let me be a part of you. Let me nourish you. He did the same to say, take in of my blood, drink of my blood, let it nourish you. Let my sacrifice help be the fuel through which you live throughout your days and your lives. We seek to, to eat of this and we give thanks and we search our lives for the way we might need to turn the way we are living to more better reflect Jesus in our world. We give thanks for all the ways Jesus is moving in and around and through us. And when that is done, we listen. As a song plays, as others partake in this, we listen to God and we, we offer ourselves to his service yet again this day, yet again this year. So on the same night in which he was betrayed, Jesus took bread and he broke it. And when he had broken it, he said, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup and he poured for each at the table. And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. 
going to pray for us. And as we sit in awe at the gift of Christmas, God with us, as we contemplate the further gift of death and resurrection, as we contemplate our life lived following Christ, I would invite you to come as you are able. If you are not able to come down, stay where you're seating and someone will be happy to bring this to you. I'd ask our ministers to come down now uh, here to the front at your station. Let me pray for us. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that we do not have to find our way blindly to you in this world, but you come to dwell with us. You make your way to us. And all we have to do is receive. And if we will receive, we are given life abundantly, life to the full, life in your spirit. As we eat and as we drink, God, help us to align our life with you. Help us to be nourished by you to live in this world. In your name we pray. Amen. We hope you enjoyed your segment of the Trinity Baptist Church podcast with Senior Pastor Matt Homeyer. Join us next week for another segment. For more information about our church and to keep up to date with the latest resources, visit our website at trinitybaptist.org.